We're continuing our series looking at Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 43 to 56. We'll read those verses in a short while. Luke chapter 8, verse 43 to 56. And the title of my sermon is Raising of Jairus' Daughter and the healing of a woman. There's two things going on there. Raising of Jairus' daughter and the healing of a woman. Most recently in our studies in Luke's Gospel, we've seen that the incarnate Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, has power over demons. You may recall that Jesus crossed over the Sea of Galilee. He went from Capernaum on the north west coast of the Sea of Galilee, he crossed over to the land of the Gadarenes on the east coast where he cast out a vast number of evil spirits out of a man. In today's passage, Jesus is back in Capernaum and he was met by a synagogue ruler by the name of Jairus whose 12 year old daughter was at home in her bed and she was dying. As Jesus responded to Jairus' plea for help for his daughter, a woman who had had an issue of blood for the past 12 years touched the tassel of his garment and she was healed. So there's the two things there. You've got Jairus, his 12-year-old daughter's at home dying in her bed and just as Jesus is going to go off um, to deal with that, a woman who's had an issue of blood for 12 years touches the tassel on the garment of the Lord Jesus Christ and she's healed. Then word reached Jairus that his daughter was no longer dying in bed, she was dead. Even so, Jesus went to his house and brought the girl back to life. Well, have a look at the passage. Luke chapter 8, verse 40 through to 56. Verse 40. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, And he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had had one only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood stanched or stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody have touched me, for I perceive that virtue or power is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, 
she came trembling and falling down before him, she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith have made thee whole, go in peace. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her, but he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out and took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, or immediately. And he commanded to give her meat, food, to give her food. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. First of all, looking at that passage, both Jairus and the woman were utterly powerless to do anything. Utterly powerless. First, we can consider Jairus. He was a ruler of a synagogue. As such, he would have been well respected. He would not have been without important and useful contacts. Even so, Jairus' position in the community and all his connections counted for precisely nothing. He could do nothing for his daughter, who was about 12 years of age. Interestingly, Jewish girls were considered to be women at that tender age of 12. For all that, she was still Jairus' little daughter, according to Mark's Gospel, chapter 5 and verse 23. And no doubt, Jairus loved his little daughter very much indeed, and he would have been at his wit's end with concern for her. We can consider the woman who came to Jesus while he, while Jesus was being petitioned by Jairus. We're not given her name. It's as if she was insignificant compared to Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue. But she wasn't insignificant, certainly not insignificant, according to Jesus at any rate. The woman had an issue of blood for 12 years. Precisely what that issue of blood was, we're not told. But suffice to say that she'd been losing blood for 12 years. And no doubt that plague, as it was, as it's described in Mark chapter 5 and 29, verse 29, a plague, it would have caused all manner of other health issues as her lifeblood was slowly being drained from her. She had been to all the earthly physicians and in the process she spent all her money but to no avail. The doctors couldn't do a thing for her. They couldn't heal her. In fact, she grew worse according to Mark chapter 5 and verse 26. Secondly, both Jairus and the woman believed that Jesus 
was able to do something, that he did have the power to do something. We can consider Jairus. The crowd of people surrounding Jesus was so great that according to verse 42, they thronged him. Look at that in verse 22 there. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. That's similar, or that, that, that is similar to the weeds um, choking the, the seed that was sown that sprouted up in the parable of the sower. We read about weeds choking the seed and you think how can weeds choke the seed or choke the young plants that sprouted up but again that word um, choke in the parable of the sower it's the same Greek word that is translated as thronged and you can imagine that can't you people thronging pressing against the Lord Jesus Christ that's what it's about people so close to him that he could barely move pressing against him. And so thronged and choked come from that same Greek word, the people were choking the Lord Jesus Christ in as much they were thronging him, pressing against him. And even though there was a crowd of people thronging Jesus, perhaps Jairus is standing, his high position amongst the people in Capernaum enabled him to pass through that crowd and to have the space to fall down at the feet of Jesus. I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing there, but it reminds me of the olden days when I was at school in assembly. I kid you not, when the, when the headmaster, not the head teacher, we didn't have that politically correct nonsense, when the headmaster came in the hall, he came in the back door with his gown on, and I'm not kidding you, the crowd of students it's separated like the Red Sea and he just walked straight through um, to his stage at the front of the auditorium no messing around and maybe that's the kind of effect that or something like that at any rate that Jairus had with the people why because he was a ruler of the synagogue he was a man who had a certain position high position in Capernaum But, for all his importance, Jairus could do nothing for his daughter other than to plead with Jesus, having fallen down at the feet of Jesus, worshipping Jesus. He pleaded with Jesus to come to his home, to his daughter. And we get some useful extra information in Mark's Gospel, where we're told in Mark chapter 5, Verse 23, that having fallen at the feet of Jesus, Jairus said, I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Those words speak of Jairus's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to heal his dying daughter. There's no doubt about it. As for the woman with an issue of blood, She also demonstrated that she had great faith in Jesus. In her case, she clearly believed that Jesus was able to heal her, even if her methods were unusual to say the least, in that she tugged at the tassel on his garment. 
But that was not unique by any means. For example, in Acts chapter 19 and verse 12, the handkerchiefs and the aprons that had touched the Apostle Paul were taken to the sick and were told that diseases and evil spirits departed from them, departed from the people. Just when handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched the Apostle were taken to these people, they were healed. Now, you, you, I trust you know as well as I do, or you can figure it out for yourself, that there was nothing within those aprons and hankies that would have healed the people. No? Neither was it the fact that they touched the Apostle, Peel, uh, Apostle Paul. The one who did the healing was God. Not the hankies, not the aprons, not the Apostle Paul. God did the healing on those people to whom the aprons and handkerchiefs were taken. And what can be safely said about the woman with an issue of blood in our passage today is that she truly believed that Jesus was able to do that which the doctors were not able to do. Furthermore, it wouldn't cost her anything, which is just as well, because she'd spent all her money on the earthly physicians. The woman's faith can be seen in Mark chapter 5, verse 27, 28. I keep making reference to Mark, don't I? Uh, There's a parallel account in Mark's gospel and in Matthew's gospel, but we do get a lot of information, extra information in Mark. Mark chapter 5, verse 27 and 28, it's written... When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind or the multitude that was pressing against Jesus and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. She had that faith that she would be made whole. And look what Jesus said to her in our passage today in Luke chapter 8 and verse 35. Verse 35. That can't be right. Yeah, sorry, verse 48. It's verse 48. He said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith have made thee whole. Go in peace. Thy faith have made thee whole. Clearly, she had faith that she would be made whole, that she would be healed. Thirdly, Jesus healed the woman and he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. When you consider the woman, we're told in verse 44 that she came behind Jesus and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood stanched or stopped. Immediately. We needn't imagine that it was the border of the garment that Jesus was wearing that healed the woman. It wasn't the garment, it was God that affected the healing. To be precise, it was the Son of God that healed her. As Jesus said in verse 46, Somebody have touched me, for I perceive that virtue or power is gone out of me. Not out of my garment, but out of me. 
Jesus, the Son of God, healed her. And it was an immediate healing. No prescriptions, no operations or anything. Immediate healing from the heavenly physician, the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, even though many people were pressing against Jesus, he knew very well who it was who touched him in order to be healed. We're told in Mark's Gospel that he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. He looked round to see her that had done this thing. It's not as if Jesus didn't have a clue what was going on. In fact, I'd go as far as to say that Jesus orchestrated the whole thing, the two together, Jairus coming about his daughter, the woman with the issue of blood. And each of those was an opportunity to manifest his power, uh, which is a declaration that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus was in the middle of dealing with Jairus who had been at his feet pleading with him to come and heal his dying daughter when that woman came with the issue of blood. She came along, she touched his garment, she was healed. An issue of blood would have rendered that woman ceremonially unclean, by the way, according to Jewish law. Because she was bleeding, she was unclean. She shouldn't have been in that crowd of people at the time. That would explain why she acted in such a secretive way, coming up behind Jesus and just touching his garment and not making a big show of it. Even so, Jesus made her declare herself after he had healed her. He wasn't going to let her get away with it, doing it surreptitiously. Um just touching his garment, being healed. And what good would that have done her anyway if if Jesus hadn't called her out? Because he made her go public. But if he hadn't, I don't know, but she could have gone away thinking, how long is this going to last? I'm not, I don't think I'm bleeding now. I don't feel as if I'm bleeding. But is this it? Am I really healed? She wouldn't have had that assurance. Not a full assurance. Jesus has his reasons for doing everything. And so Jesus made her declare herself after he healed her. As for the healing, or to be precise, the raising to life of Jairus' daughter, whilst Jesus was speaking to the woman, word reached Jairus that his daughter was dead. Even so, Jesus gave reassuring words to Jairus when he said to him, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. This is Jairus who's just been told that his daughter's dead. And he's told, fear not, your daughter will be made whole. What followed was that Jesus went to Jairus' house where he took the damsel by the hand. He raised her from the dead as he said to her, made Arise. Before we move on, it's important to appreciate that even though 
in verse 52, Jesus said, Weep not, she is not dead but sleepeth. If you look at verse 52 there. And all wept and bewailed her, and he said, Weep not, she is not dead but weepeth. The all there, they're, they're professional mourners. They come along for the occasion. They come along and have a good mourn, and then they go home and do something else. I've, I've actually seen that in a Roman Catholic church when my granddad died. There's some beautiful mourning going on in that church in Bruges in Belgium. Um, he, my, my grandparents, they were Roman Catholics. And uh, I, it was just professional mourning, essentially. They, were, they went from there and then they carried on with their day. But anyway... Even though Jesus said, weep not, she is not dead but sleepeth, the damsel really was dead. And not in a deep sleep, she wasn't in a coma, and Jesus really did raise her from the dead. The fact that she really did die is confirmed in the very next verse, in verse 53, where it is written that they, again, the professional mourners, laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. Got no reason to to think that they were wrong there. It's just stating a fact. They laughed Jesus to scorn, knowing that she was dead. Death can be defined as the departure of the spirit from the body. When when you, when anyone dies, that's what happens. The spirit parts company with the body. And in verse 55, we're told that her spirit came again. Look at verse 55. Her spirit came again and she arose straight away and he commanded to give her meat or food. So the very fact that her spirit came again means that it departed from her. Yeah. So she died. But for some reason, Jesus refers to death as sleep. But again, don't think that she was just having 40 winks or in a deep sleep or in a coma, she was dead. We can see something similar in the Old Testament with God bringing a widow's son back to life when the prophet Elijah laid upon the dead person. In 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 19 through to 22, let me tell you what it's written. And he, that's the prophet Elijah, said unto her, that's the widow, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode, where the prophet abode, and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn, or I live, I'm staying with her, by slaying, that's killing her son, and he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came into him again and he revived. The boy had been slain by the Lord. He was dead. And yet, in answer to prayer from Elijah, 
the boy's spirit returned to his body and he was revived. And we see the same thing going on with Jairus' daughter, his 12-year-old daughter, her spirit returning to her. She died, just as Jairus had rightly been told by people who came to him when he was with Jesus. We also see Jesus using the word sleep for death in John's Gospel, chapter 11. John chapter 11, that's the chapter about Lazarus. Um, we, I trust we, most of us, if not all of us, know about Lazarus. Who was Lazarus? A man who was raised from the dead. Yeah? In fact, he'd been dead for four days when Jesus raised him up. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. In our passage today, what did Jesus say to the girl? Made arise, and she rose from the dead. To Lazarus, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And having been dead for four days, and his body began to stink, Lazarus rose from the dead. But the reason I'm telling you this is because in John chapter 11, verse 11 through to 14, it says, Our friend Lazarus, this is Jesus speaking, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep, having a nap. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. The reason I'm telling you all this is because I don't want people to imagine that when you die, you you go to sleep until the day of judgment. You just have a little nap until the day of judgment. And when the day of judgment comes, all those who are trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins, they receive their heavenly inheritance. Whereas the others, all the others, people who have not believed in Jesus, have not trusted in him, go to eternal torment. To hellfire, in other words. When you die, dear Christian, when you die, you go to be with Jesus. Listen to what, yeah, amen to that. Absolutely, amen. That was the certain hope that the Apostle Paul, speaking to the Christians in Corinth, had. He said to those Christians some tremendous words of encouragement. He said, we, not I, but we are confident, I say, and willing Rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. How's that, eh? It's talking about when you die, going to be with Jesus. Let me say it again. I love those words. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the Lord and to be pre- absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And again, a big amen to that. Also, You might like to think of the dying thief when Jesus was crucified. The thief, 
that was crucified next to him, who said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus say to him? Verily, verily, this day, today, you will be with me in paradise. How wonderful that is. Today you will be with me in paradise. And that, but that's the, the Christians. But those of you who are not trusting in Jesus, you're still too stubborn, too proud to fall upon your face at the throne of grace and to plead for mercy. Believe you me, if you do do that, God will hear your cry. And he will forgive you your sins. Every one of them. But those of you who have not yet done that, you can be sure that when you die, you won't go to sleep either. In fact, your spirits will go away to eternal torment. And that will be your just deserts for your sins against a holy and righteous God. I rather prefer... We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Yeah, that sounds much better to me. As we come to a close, let me remind you that neither Jairus nor the woman could do anything other than to cast themselves upon the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Nothing else. And that is how it is for all of us when it comes to sin which afflicts the body and the soul, rendering every one of us unfit from the, unfit for the company of God and the glory of heaven. The good news is that the Son of God is able to cleanse from all sins, all who with repentant hearts come to him and believe in his name. Are you hearing me? Also in our passage, Jesus graciously dealt with Two needy people at the same time. But that's nothing for him to do when you consider that on, for example, the day of Pentecost, just a short while after Jesus had ascended to heavenly glory, after laying down his life at the cross, on the day of Pentecost, about 3,000 souls who were listening to a sermon that was being preached by the Apostle Peter, were wonderfully saved and given a heavenly hope. About 3,000 of them. Not just one, not two, 3,000 souls in Jerusalem came to repentance and trusted in Jesus. They were baptised and they trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now all these years later, Jesus is raising up an untold number of repentant sinners every day throughout the world. I don't know how many, but you can be sure even now, 2,000 years later, Jesus, the Son of God, is still raising people up from, from from spiritual death to spiritual life. Therefore, if you haven't done so already, Come to Jesus as you are, trust in him alone to deliver you from the burden of your sins, believing that he is able to do precisely that. 
bow down before him, reach out and touch him. As the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus, reach out and touch him in your prayers, crying out to him to have mercy upon you, a sinner. Believing that he is able to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Also we've seen that the woman came out from her anonymity and she declared unto Jesus before all the people, all that crowd, for what cause she had touched Jesus and how she was healed immediately. Jesus called her and she did precisely that. She went public. That speaks to me of baptism and openly declaring Jesus as your Saviour and your Lord. Therefore I say to you, or rather the word of God says to you, he that believeth and is baptised shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Amen.